I don't know, because there was the, that column in the database where it says, like, hey, earliest date published was null. So mm. I'm not sure. But it was still marked as that it had published content. Mm. So weird. I'm not sure where that disconnect is. I do. There was something weird with the cloud migration move, I think, with data replication. But I can't verify that because Vinny also said he noticed something like an episode disappearing like, yeah. during that transition. Uh -huh. I don't know what would have happened, but anyway, it seems yeah. to, it seems to be fine seems now. Seems to but. be okay. Stuff has been published since then, and it doesn't seem to yeah. be disappearing. Yeah. I mean, I don't often go to particular show pages, so maybe it's something yeah. with those pages in particular. But I yeah, it was often... like in the river and everything. I remember. Yeah, seeing it was it. fine in the yeah. river and everywhere. And I mean, I could probably scroll back in latest mm. or whatever or podcast general, but mm. that yeah. show page it was not not there. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you playing anything? <laughs> yes, I am. Actually, yeah. I went off of Chris's uh, recommendation and uh, started oh, no. up Fire Emblem. Oh, no. Holy shit. The anime, the anime is <laughs> the anime. Oh, man. It just feels so good. It's a very good, very good video game. Because I've, like, I've talked way too much about Final Fantasy Tactics, it being mm -hmm. one of my most favorite games, because yeah. it's essentially just that game. Mm -hmm. um, the story in it, like, it's also super convoluted. It's like a normal Final Fantasy thing where, like, you don't really understand what's going on, but something is, like, somebody's concerned. Yeah. Um, but Fire Emblem is just, like, uh, just scratches all the itches I've been looking for. Um, since you recommended it, it's been, like, what, a week and a half? I think so, yeah. Uh, I think I'm close to 50 hours. That's Jesus that's Christ. insane. Yeah. That's like a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did this with <laughs> Destiny. Uh, I'm just glad that it's not like Destiny where there's an end to it. Um, oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's been, it's just been a treat. Mm -hmm. And what, uh, what house did you pick? Oh, shit. I can't remember. It's the, um, it's the red one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Black Eagle. Yeah, that one. There you go. Yeah. Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Puffle, you know, puff, you yeah. know what? Uh, no, it's more, it's not Slytherin. It's not Slytherin, Slytherin like. <laughs> Which one is Hufflepuff? That's the real question. But um, yeah, no, I love it too because it's like part anime, part like just tactics and that sort of shit. And then yeah. it's part Harry Potter. Exactly. Which I'm super into. Mm -hmm. Like there's even like fucking owls walking around. Yeah. Not walking around, flying around. And there's a lot of dogs and cats hanging around in the... And I'm pissed because you cannot... You cannot pet them. Yeah, none you, of you them. You run right through them. It's like I, I did thing. notice that if you run through a cat, like straight up run through it, it'll meow. Yeah. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, game wise, it's been great because uh, it's like I thought it was going to be all just like you're going into battles and that was yeah. the whole game, but it's definitely not. Like the half, most of, probably like half of the game is outside of battles, like in menus or in doing school stuff. Yeah, social, social links. Yeah, social yeah, links. It's exactly. a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of support conversations and. Yeah, it's great too because the girlfriend's playing Persona Five still, yeah. uh, and it's all that. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's, you know different kind of combat and everything but yeah. uh so we just have two anime ass <laughs> games going at the same time dual tvs yeah yeah uh i should probably get outdoors more we started but. we we've started living different lives dan like i think <laughs> i think we've started to diverge <laughs> you've got your dual tvs and your anime yeah 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 that's know. yeah that's it that's all i got <laughs> that's, man that's all i have <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i don't go outdoors i don't see humans much <laughs> anymore that's it. But it's great. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are you playing anything or did you, are you? I'm still playing the game I played on UPF. Uh, I've been playing a decent amount. Mm. Um, uh, shortest trip to earth, which is a great name to the game. Uh, I, 
they didn't ever introduce i guess you're going to earth i don't know i didn't really read the story it's it's <laughs> ftl it's yeah. just yeah. fucking ftl that's what um, it looked like a cartoony version of that when i like stopped in for a second it, yeah it's ftl but just imagine if they add like 10 times more mechanics mm. and knobs mm. and stuff to do um that's what it is which kind of scratches some itches for me but i'm not I'm not a roguelike person at all. I hate roguelikes, yeah. which is weird because I love FTL, hmm. but I want to treat it like, it's weird with these games. I want to treat it like Star Trek. Like I want to like, oh, I'm going around the yeah. galaxy and I'm, <laughs> well, at, least, at least with this game, it's more exploratory. Like FTL, you're running from the, the uh, you were the rebels. Wait, no, you're running from the rebels. The Empire. Yeah, you're, yeah. No, you're running from the sure. rebels, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so there's like a ticking time like bomb. Like it's it's approaching you and you have to keep running, right? Yeah. This one at least, as far as I can tell, there's no ticking time bomb. You can just kind of explore. There's a linear path that you move along, but um, it's not like pressuring you as much, I don't think. Hmm. Um, but it's still a roguelike, so it's you're, you're meant to die and die and die over and over again and start from scratch, which is just not how I like to play games. So hmm. uh, I'm just save scumming, um, you know. Is there any progression between runs? Yes. you. Okay. So that's... That's the part of the game I'm missing, I guess. You spend like um, fate fate points or something. I think that's what they call it. Mm. Uh, anyway, you get these like fate point things and you can like upgrade your crew and stuff and try start over with like an upgraded crew. Um, so that's fine. But you still like kind of start from the beginning. And I don't know. I, I, I should try to go. I should try to stop saves coming and actually do that. But are you trying to be in one run then? Or I'm just kind of going. Yeah. You know, okay. I don't know. This that's kind of the, the theme of like games I play nowadays. I, I don't know what that says about my life, but I just kind of want to go, you know, I just want to roam around. I want to do stuff. Yeah. Don't care about beating it. I just want to like, I think your day is too structured. It's like you need some <laughs> kind of freedom when you get home from maybe uh, I your should, meetings I and talk to a therapist about running this. around the office. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, well, what does Will Carl the video game look like? <laughs> it's like a lot of knobs and nobody telling you what to do. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of dialogue trees. Uh, yeah, a lot of, um, yeah, I don't know how you, how do you gamify writing email? Uh, <laughs> 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 wow, this got supremely depressing. Chris, what are you playing? Uh, still Fire Emblem. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm probably close to 30 hours in. Um, pick the blue lions, but I'm loving that game still. Okay. Yeah. It was, I, it was between that. Like, I don't, th who actually chose the other, I was close to choosing them, but really? then when I talked to all the students, I found them slightly annoying. Yeah. So <laughs> I like Claude, his just demeanor, but, um, yeah, students were, he just seemed like uh fucking just some like Jack Sparrow motherfucker <laughs> before like he grew a beard Yeah, and dreads. Mm hmm. Uh, I just, I wasn't into it. I just like, I looked at him, I was like, you're the weak ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. But, um, yeah, so you're still into it. Still yeah, good. still really into it. Um, so, sometimes the combat is a little easy and I haven't been grinding yeah. at all, but I think I wish I would have put it on hard. It's just like when your character can kill someone immediately in like one attack, it's kind of. It's turned into entirely that for me because I chose uh, casual for the setting. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want to keep the people that like die yeah. quotes on that on, on, on the field because like I'm too emotionally attached for that right now. Right. And I don't need that in my personal life. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Uh, and, <laughs> and holy cow, it's just like you swipe at air and something dies. <laughs> yeah, right. So I don't know. I hope it gets a little bit harder or 
if there's like a new game plus. I think there's a new game plus, and I think you can change the difficulty in, in new oh. game plus. Oh, I think that's, that's what Callie said in, okay. her, in her review. So that's good. Yeah, um, it's just it's such a good game. You should get on that. It's anime. I get it. No, I I, I talk <laughs> shit about anime. Like I love Persona. Like I, I yeah, it's, anime's fine. I, I've watched I've watched an anime before. <laughs> um, I'm fine in with my anime. Day. Uh, yeah. I I just I think it's very I like making fun of anime. It's it's fun to make fun yeah. of it, even though yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Easy target. Yeah. yeah. It's also it's it's a lot of game. It yeah, seemed, I think it seems the, like that's daunting the thing, for a man. lot of people just because it's like 80 hours or something to beat it, which is a I, very yeah. long time. I've played a lot of RPGs and I just haven't picked one up in a long time, so I should I should just do that. But it's also a lot to invest into. Like it yeah. like it's the sort of game that if you drop off like 15 hours in yeah. If you show up like two or three weeks later, like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to start all over because I can't remember how, like, where I was and what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. But, yeah. So. Yeah. And I just haven't had much time to play games lately because we've been, we've been a little busy around yeah. here. Yeah. Speaking of uh, emails <laughs> and dialogue trees and all, a bunch of other complicated shit, we're in the cloud now. Yeah. My head's, my head's been in the cloud for, for months at this point, but yeah. our, our website that, now is That's too. not a hype joke. <laughs> It was a little bit of <laughs> glad someone picked up on that. Um, no, uh, yeah. So if you were around on Tuesday and saw this past, well, whenever this comes out, I don't know. Tuesday, the oh, I'm going to put it out August twenty some twentieth. I think it was. Um, uh, you may have noticed the site was slightly broken, on and off for a little while. Um, that's because we were moving it completely from Phoenix, Arizona to generic cloud environment i don't know where it actually is uh yeah. some, somewhere in u.s central yeah. whatever that means um so yeah we we giant bomb since i've been here uh, and all the game site all the sites we work on have been hosted uh in a data center in phoenix, phoenix arizona um run by cbsi for i don't know for a long time huh. um and we for various reasons like this all the reasons you would ever leave a data center uh you know it's expensive you have to hire people to maintain your servers and it's loud it's loud and cold and you have to keep it cold even though it's in phoenix arizona yeah, so i'm seems, sure that's pretty yeah. i'm sure that's pretty expensive, <laughs> pretty expensive. <laughs> our two data centers are in phoenix arizona and miami florida <laughs> it's like the the two hottest places in anyway um mm-hmm. uh so yeah we um so we had we wanted to move it to the cloud for cost saving reasons for just general like it gives us more flexibility mm-hmm. you know we'll, we can talk about that a little bit but uh yeah, so it's been a over a year long process of um, just on and off because we're we were still developing the site the whole time. We didn't like stop everything we did and re re platform, but um, yeah, it's been like an over a year long process of of restructuring the app because not only did we didn't just like move it, we didn't just like copy the files, paste them in a, a different V. Like we could have done that. Like there's VMs running in Phoenix, Arizona. We could have just started mm-hmm. some VMs up in Google Cloud and just copied it up there, but. Um, that kind of leaves out some of the really cool benefits that we'll, I guess, talk about in this episode about um, some of the new fancy technology that people like Google and Amazon are building mm. um, that, uh, that one, are really cool and fun to work with, and two, like, make theoretically make your site more stable and more resistant to traffic spikes and, uh, and more flexible and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that was kind of why we did it. But um, Yeah, because, like, I just for whatever reason, perceived that it wasn't going to be like a copy-paste job, that we're just going to move to the cloud, so it was going to move it basically from one data center to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely could. We could have done that. Um, and in the past, we've done this a couple times. Well, not me. me. I haven't. I wasn't here around for this, but I think we 
I think we, that... we were at, at some point we're in a cloud. Right. We were in yeah. AWS oh, okay, uh, yeah. for a while. But I think before that, we were in some other data center. So I think we went data center, AWS, data center, Google. Well, like, I, <laughs> so before they did the, um, uh, when they, uh, not redecorated, but like redid all the floors yeah, yeah. in the building, mm-hmm. I could have sworn that they were like, Actual boxes. No, in there the were ser- there were server as- like actual server rooms in the building. I I don't think that's where the actual website was run from. Mm. I think that's where all the corporate shit was run from. Oh, I thought it was like ceremonial, just like we <laughs> we have these boxes. Yeah, gaze no, I, upon them. I think like the email <laughs> server used to be run from there oh, and stuff like that. Okay. But um, oof, yeah, big oof. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I had never been to the data center in Phoenix, but um, but yeah, we so basically the process started with um us dockerizing so um instead of everything running on vms we had already for separate reasons had changed all of our dev environments we've talked about this on a previous episode um because all our dev environments you used to like we we all work on macs and you used to have to install php and you'd install uh memcache and you'd install redis all on your local mac um and then we would run the site directly on your hardware right like which which is fine. I mean, that's how most people develop stuff um, for years or, yeah. you know, for a long time until yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. The problem comes when, like, you get a new person in the office and, oh, that PHP package you used to download is gone. So your inst- install instructions no longer work or they released a new version of Mac OS. It doesn't work with that version of Memcache. So you got to find a new version. Oh, they don't have one. So you got to patch it and you got to do all this weird shit. Um, so, yeah, we've talked about that before, but. So a while ago, we had dockerized our dev, dev environment, our whole dev stack, um, which just means, you know, I'll go, I'll just do another real quick recap of what Docker is. But Docker is basically little tiny machines, little tiny yeah. Linux machines. Um, like a, you're not talking about tiny little like a Raspberry Pi. You're talking about VMs. Yeah, yeah, they're all okay. VMs. So you're you're running a VM host um, and on a Mac. You run Docker for Mac, which essentially runs uh, Linux VM host. Uh, that gives you a standardized environment to run these things in. And then you build X number of containers, um, Docker containers. And each Docker, a Docker container is essentially a very minimal version of usually Linux. Um, I've never heard of anything. I, I assume you can probably run other stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah. I actually don't know if it, I think it requires Linux, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and then uh, it's a very small Linux kernel, like the um, the very basics. And then, so like you get an Ubuntu container, basically, which is like a very stripped down version of Ubuntu that has nothing else but the bare bones. Then you install anything you need on that. In addition, you know, I'll, you'll install curl and you'll install, um, you know, whatever else you need, uh, like Node.js, stuff like that, whatever, whatever tools you need on that uh, little tiny VM, basically, container. Um, and then you run something on it and you, each container is basically meant to run one process. So we'll have a container for PHP and then, or PHP FPM in our case, which is PHP, multi-threaded PHP basically. But anyway, like, uh, you one, it'll, it'll run PHP. Uh, and then you'll have another container that runs Nginx, which is our, um, which is, you know, basically Apache. It's a, uh, the gateway into, into PHP, um, you know, web web server, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll run because it's one process per container. So essentially, to run our site on our local dev boxes, we have five. I think five. Five. Yeah, we yeah. have we have a PHP container, an Nginx container, uh, a uh, Redis container, a Memcache container. Those are just two caches, Redis and Memcache, two different ones. 
um, Beanstalk, I think that's, I think that's it, which is a, a, um, a queuing system. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we basically run those five containers and we've been doing that forever. So when, when a new dev comes in, Hey, install Docker for Mac and then run this one command, which will pull down all those containers, start them all up and you have our dev environment running. Mm-hmm. In more or less. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. There's, there's a few more steps yeah, to that. There's some caveats <laughs> as well, but yeah. Because yeah. like we run, we like our, the code is stored on your local machine. So you have to like make, like download the code first and then point your containers to the code. You know, there's a couple extra steps, but, but for the most part, it's. It down, definitely does simplify it from the old way of installing all of these dependencies and all of these libraries. Mm-hmm. You would have to, um, to get this running locally. So. Yeah. So we've talked about that a little bit in previous episodes, but um, essentially we were, so that we were kind of part of the way there. We'd already dockerized stuff. Um, and we were going to move to the cloud and instead of installing a bunch of VM or starting up a bunch of VMs in the cloud, we were going to run in something called Kubernetes. Um, so <laughs> Kubernetes is just another layer of abstraction on top of that. Mm-hmm. So Kubernetes basically takes those containers, um, and manages them. And it will say, you can basically tell Kubernetes, give me 50 PHP uh, it, 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 it runs pods. So it will say like, put a PHP and Nginx, put two of those containers together into a pod and then run 50 of them. And then if, and then it'll just manage, manage all those. It'll check their health constantly. And then if one ever goes down, if it crashes, if there's some problem, Kubernetes says, Oh, that one's dead. Take it down, bring another one up. Boom. Like, and you're back up and running that one containers back. Oh, wow. Um, so it's essentially this like, hyper managed environment where you basically teach kubernetes through a bunch of like config files here's my app here's what i need to run it if anything ever goes down start it right back up and get it connected and get everything set up so essentially you know barring any like major unforeseen problems theoretically our app should self-heal and if things go wrong if uh if a container runs out of memory if process and php goes crazy i don't know whatever um isn't this the plot for terminator <laughs> essentially yeah it'll yeah. It, it like okay. it, you have limits theoretically where you say like make sure all 50 containers are running at all times and or 50 pods are running at all times and if one ever goes down just boop 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 start it back up and, and it's uh, not like it's starting not starting up that specific thing is it basically just dumping it and creating a new one yeah so yeah. It, it kills the old one yeah basically these things are completely disposable oh. um so this is definitely terminated <laughs> holy shit so yeah the, the idea is like you want these like minimum the, as small as you can get it not app wise like our whole app runs in one container so it's it's a lot of code in there but it's a small uh, uh responsibility that that pod has that pod or that pod doesn't have or that uh container doesn't have to do anything but take uh, requests on port 80 and respond to those requests with a PHP page. That's all it does. Oh, right? cool. Okay. And, it, and hits our database in the mm-hmm. background. Like it runs the PHP app. Um, but if that fails for any reason, it's easy to kill it. Uh, Kubernetes knows how to start a new one right back up. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, God, that, that sounds like, I don't know, thinking about the details like that, it just seems like so much upkeep. But I'm assuming it's not like it's supposed to be like a set it and, and forget it sort of situation. Or yeah, I mean it's it's okay. it's honestly not much upkeep. It's it's you set up your configuration files to say you know these are the number of pods. These, this is the memory I want each pod to have. The number of CPUs it has access to. Mm-hmm. Um, all that good stuff. You set all that up, and then 
it just manages itself. And, and also like a human being knows what those numbers are supposed to be. Like that's the crazy thing to me is that so, somebody's just like, oh yeah, this thing needs this much memory for X reasons. Like, so that's where the, that's where the expertise comes in and, okay. and where Steve on our team did most of this work. So mm-hmm. uh, he would, he would be able to speak more to it, but there's a spreadsheet out there where we, he took a single pod of running PHP and Nginx and load tested just one pod and said, how many requests can I simultaneously throw at this one pod and measure that out? Wait until it like, until the CPU starts hitting a limit until the memory is getting out of control, monitor this pod until it's reached its limits. Extrapolate that to the number of average requests we get during E3 during a regular week. And that's where we set our baseline numbers. We need roughly this amount of memory, you know, and he'll he basically ran a bunch of tests and say, Okay, if I increase the memory, if I double the memory, does it improve? No, it's the same limit. Okay, what if I double the CPU? What if I double this? And we can basically then dial in those numbers to like an optimal price versus, you know, uh, what the pod can do. Because eventually you hit diminishing returns. Like if you give each pod 10 gigs of RAM or 100 gigs of RAM, whatever, like it's not going to. Like it's not going to make any difference right. because the there's quest, a there's a core the limit that not these, there. Yeah. yeah exactly so um so yeah so we we basically just made those calculations determined how many of these things we needed to run and basically just told Kubernetes just make sure all these are running at all times yeah and the cool thing about that though is when you make a change you make a change somewhere in in Kubernetes to say like this pod needs this. And then, it, or like it needs this much memory so that it mm-hmm. knows to give that pod that much memory versus the old system where you have to write like bash scripts or have something to go through each of the VMs right. and like change that memory either like somewhat live or somewhat somewhere else. It yeah, just like, like manages take, take a lot. Right. Yeah, exactly. It just manages that whole system a lot. It's a lot easier to manage yeah. when you change that, those Holy values. Cow. And so. It, so like that, was it a situation in the past where if you had multiple VMs, you had to go and just like, if you forget to update one of them, they could actually... I mean, they would write, or, yeah, you we know, had like ops people would that. write scripts and stuff, but still like you would have to like, those scripts would like SSH onto that box and do whatever like mm-hmm. kind of manually with code. But yeah. um, so yeah. it's still a very like human process back back in the day. Yeah, they, they, they would have tools, but basically the tools yeah. do what humans would do. Okay. So all right, um, yeah, there were a lot of there are a lot of cool automation tools for old VM setup stuff. Um, I don't know too much about those because I've never been. I was never a DevOps guy until I guess this. Yeah, because <laughs> this is now like we're you know our team like actually kind of does a lot of the DevOps work now. Uh, but before I didn't have to do that. So I don't, I don't know too much about that stuff, to be honest. But one other, uh, I mean, actually, when you get down to the backbone of how this stuff works, it is actually a bunch of VMs. Uh, at, at the So Kubernetes has this thing called a cluster. Um, all of the pods run on a cluster. And this cluster is just 20 VMs of like actual like, you know, whatever weird Google Blade things are running in the Google Data Center. Give me this many of them. And run all my website on those from the various resources, right? Like from the website to uh, cron jobs that are running to uh, anything on the website that could run. Um, so basically what we do. Uh, so now if we want to like scale up, for example, we have this pool of resources in the cluster, which is we have, say, 20 VMs um, that are running that are carrying all these pods um, and they have a number of virtual CPUs and a num- and a allocation of RAM and all this good stuff. And we can see on a graph like how much of that we're using and how many pods we have running and all that stuff. Um, so we typically keep a little overhead on that, right? Like we keep a little extra compute power that's just kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. And then 
another cool thing about Kubernetes is you can then say, write some, um, some auto scaling rules. So you could tell Kubernetes, Hey, when my pods reach like, all right, they're, they're all like this many, this much CPU utilization, we need more pods. So take from my available resources and spin up to spin up 10 new pods and oh, then let okay. those go in, see if that works and then spin 10 more up until you hit that threshold again. And it'll just, and then once, once you reach, and then you put set a bottom bound and you say, if I go below 20% CPU usage, start spinning pods down and save me some money. Oh yeah. That was going to be my question is like, if you kept everything hypothetically at like 80% capacity, mm -hmm. but as far as load and everything like that, if it got to a point where you could actually shut down like two VMs yeah. or whatever it may be, then you'll just do it on its own. Yeah. And, and, and you set limits so you don't like spend a shit ton of money and you do all this other stuff and and there's okay. theoretical limits to that right like at some point you know we'll talk about this a little bit too but like we're not auto scaling our databases yet so like even if you can start up as many damn pods as you want mm. if our if our database can't keep up with your traffic <laughs> then you're still fucked but okay. yeah so um, yeah. And, um is this you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier but like e3 mm -hmm. when there's a lot more traffic than normal throughout the year uh, is that the case where like it would spin up more pods just because there's more folks hitting the site and doing yeah. more stuff? We would likely, if if it's an event like E3 and we know it's coming, we would likely just pre-spin them up and just say like, oh. you know, we know it's coming. Literally, the, the, the what's cool about this stuff is it's all code now. Mm. It's all config files. So what we go, in, what we do is we go in there, we say, you know, we have 50 pods running for E3. We know we get double the amount of normal traffic. Mm. Uh, we just change that number from 50 to 100, hit save, press a button in Jenkins, our deploying, deploy system, and it just spins up 50 more. And like now we have 100 mm -hmm. pods running. We have to do a few other things. Obviously, we spin up new database slaves. We spin up, uh, we actually don't, won't be spinning up new Redis instances anymore, but we used to do that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, stuff like that. So there's a little bit of manual work, especially as something as big as E3 when you're like expecting double the amount of traffic. Um, but you know, we don't have to automate everything. We can, we can do some prep work for that stuff. So, oh, cool. Okay. What's, yeah. What's the benefit of doing, of doing that prep work? I mean, if, if hypothetically we have this system that is set in, set in place that will automatically scale that stuff, will like would users from a, like yeah. end user perspective, would they see like a faster site if we spun it up beforehand and they don't have to wait till the, I mean, tech use it 80%. Yeah. Or technically we, I mean, if we spin it up beforehand, then we don't have to wait, you know, you could set your limits to where they're like 50% to where I a see. user hasn't started noticing it yet, but yeah. you're just doing, you could do some clever tweaking. Mm -hmm. I think just with something like E3, it's so high profile for right. us. We would just might as well, like, we know it's coming. We know the exact date and time it's happening. We might as well just pre, pre-warm everything, get it all running. Yeah. Um, so we'll still do that, but this will help with things like, you know, with GameSpot, sometimes we have articles that get really popular and we'll notice a ton of new traffic to an article or something like that. Yeah. It would be cool if we could... Because in the past we've just run we just run enough VMs to know that if we ever get that traffic we can handle it. Mm -hmm. Now it would be cool to say like we know on a normal basis or at three in the morning we don't need to run all the pods we were running. We can scale down, scale scale up and down with the circadian rhythm of the world, right? That. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, because we had it sounds so fucking just <laughs> just global. That's great. Um, yeah, we, you know, if you look at a graph of our traffic, it like dips down at night and then goes back up. It'd be mm -hmm. cool if we could just like uh, spin down the resources, spin them back up. Yeah. yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we don't do much of that yet. We haven't done too much auto scaling. Um, well, that seems I like mean, it's, 
just went into the cloud. Yeah, we just went like, into yeah, so we're last yeah. week. So. so we don't want to fuck with it too much. We just wanted we we're, we're throwing more resources at it than we need right now, and we'll we'll work on that as we go. But yeah, I feel like this week kind of like everything felt fine, but at the same time, same time it was like, don't fucking touch anything. <laughs> okay, everything's cool. Still don't touch it. Yeah, yeah, so. we're still like just watching it every day. Like, yeah, how's it going? Um, but yeah, so then and and you know, Kubernetes is cool and it. It, it definitely does have a, a purpose, though. And so there's some things we don't run in this cool, brand new stuff, right? Like, So, so my question is, like, it potentially can it handle literally everything from end to end that we have to handle? Or are there still exceptions that, like, it's not built? To... Yeah, it is not built for certain things, right? Okay. Like, we are not going to run a SQL server in Kubernetes or in Kubernetes or in Docker. Could you hypothetically yes. do that? You could hypothetically okay. do it. The the But to think of... Um, if you think of these things as ephemeral and typically small, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's there's a white paper out there. There's articles about people running, yeah. you know, massive like SQL farms probably in that. Yeah. But the the weird the thing about SQL, uh, we use MySQL, um, is uh, you typically have one master node, one master database, right? Where every write goes to the same VM, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing, the same machine. Um, so if you were to run that in a Docker container, that, that's scary. <laughs> also, like, I can't... In, like in an environment where you said that, like, if something goes wrong, you could just kill the thing. It's right. like, well, that database is dead. You yeah. cool. Or if... that, or that data is lost if it's currently being written to or something. Yeah. Like that. It, yeah. It's just too. Although I... that would be like the most sentient that you can get with this. <laughs> like there, something had memories. Yeah. Now it's dead. Yeah, I mean, I could see somewhere where you would like have you would spin up like some kind of slave that writes to one master, and then like depending on the load, it would just like kind of queue up response, a queue oh, up writes, yeah. and then if yeah. the writes went through, it would like close that down. Concurrency if, of writes can be a problem. Anyway, but I yeah, mean, yeah, it yeah, depends on how how much necessary like yeah, if you need concurrency. But I haven't done research into this. I'm I'm I bet if I just googled it real quick i'd either have people screaming oh my god don't do that yeah. or it'd be like oh no there's this cool system that you can set up to do it. yeah know? so there yeah. may definitely be something i am not an expert in that but for us we weren't willing to go into that experimental territory with that stuff so things like mysql they're running on very beefy vms like we have a single master database mysql instance and a few slave databases uh if you don't know what that it master slave master slave relationship it's it's basically just, it's a shitty name probably but <laughs> yeah uh, it sounds real bad <laughs> yeah. that's what they call it in sequels so it's yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever no like hearing you guys talk about just normal work stuff out in the open it's <laughs> yeah, like, like oh, uh, yeah. kill this child <laughs> yeah, yeah it's kill like the child process <laughs> like oh yeah like these slaves are being a problem oh my god really <laughs> um no so the master is the thing that handles all concurrency and rights so it's its job is to handle every every new bit of data writing to our database from a comment to a article, to a video. Um, it handles all those writes um, and then syncs all of those to each slave database. And then for users coming in who are just reading data, we only send them to the slaves. So all reads go to the slaves. Oh, um, if a slave is overwhelmed, we can kill it, replace it really easily. If the master dies, there's there's some ways to, you can promote the slaves. The ma- there, there's some ways yeah. to recover from that. But um, essentially you, you know, that, from what it sounds like, there's it like an established system to be able to handle this stuff just for databases. Yeah, that yeah. is very similar. 
in some ways similar to Kubernetes that like if something goes wrong, there's a contingency. People have been running MySQL for a long time and have got that shit down. So we was, just kind of. Yeah, I was about to say like I've used MySQL <laughs> stuff before. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's it's been a minute. It's tried and true and it, and it works for the most part. Um, yeah, so. and Google will definitely have like tools in GCP that yeah. have like do MySQL stuff or SQL databases and stuff. But it seemed like the transferring our system over to that just seemed yeah the, Google, unfeasible as well as just like super impractical and expensive. Yeah, yeah. Google hand Google does uh, hosted SQL. Um, I forget what they call it uh, right G now. G SQL. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it is there's probably. like a thousand products. Yeah, they have um, a million products. We tested it. We were like, oh, we can do this a little better ourselves. Um, because we have good, really good database people here. So like they can handle yeah. that. You know, Google stuff is, Google is kind of new to the cloud world. So they're still like building and iterating on the shit constantly. Like basically we were, we were in meetings with, with them and they'd come to the office and like, Hey, we want to use your cloud SQL product. And they're like, okay, well, and we're like, we want to do this one type of, you know, master, master replication thing. And they're like, Oh yeah, we don't have that yet, but uh, in two weeks we're gonna have that. And we're like, really? Yeah, like, yeah two weeks. Two weeks, you can get into the pre-alpha. Like, all right, this, <laughs> yeah, that's not, like yeah. the guy on the other side of the table is like, just fucking try us. Yeah. We, we can do it in two weeks. You have like the Elon Musk of just like dare us and yeah. Anyways, so we were like, all right, that I'm sure it'll be really cool eventually. But for now, we're just like, we can roll our own. You know, we can run SQL on VMs. Yeah, we've been doing that for a while. Yeah. Um, things like, but for things like Redis, we we use Google's managed Redis. Uh, they call it mm. memory store. Um, okay. And and that was just a super simple because Redis is a pretty simple thing, right? Yeah. Redis is just basically a key value store with some extra bells and whistles on top. Um, Built-in functions. And yeah, stuff, yeah. But... It's got some cool some cool shit in it, but. Um, they have that product, so we're like, all right, let's let's use that. Um, it's it seems you know uh, GA enough. You know, it's it seems like they're full. It's fully built out, and it's been working great so far. Um, but uh, so that so SQL Redis um, Memcache, which is our basically we use that for query caching. So all those SQL queries that are happening, we then cache those in Memcache, which is an in-memory data store you can think of it as your computer's ram basically um with a, just a key value of uh the the query and then the results are cached with it um so that's essentially ma mainly what we use it for um so that runs just on vms again um and then we store our images in, in google buckets uh gcs google storage buckets and uh, as just blobs of images and and that's that's kind of our whole more or less our architecture we have yeah. some other things like uh Q crons, cron jobs that run. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. what's cool now is we run a single cron job in a single container, single pod. So now as we, mm -hmm. as we run new crons, we're just like, all right, just run all these crons, spin up all these pods, run them all in parallel. It just gives us more. In the past, we were like, all right, do we have a cron worker available? Yeah. <laughs> no? Okay, wait. <laughs> yeah, because I remember in the past that every once in a while, like one cron wouldn't run for whatever reason, mm -hmm. or there was a hiccup, and that, that was its own thing. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like... Or we have like Google or someone crawling the site, and now yeah. we hear a million, a million half, imagery sizes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So now in we, our, we can scale queue, that. So. We can now we can just okay, Google's or someone is crawling our site, and now we have a million imagery sizes to do. Let for for now, let's well, we just go into a config file, mm -hmm. change a number from ten to a hundred, and then press a button. Okay, now we have a hundred image workers doing all that work, and we can spin it back down. So that's cool because yeah. before we would just be like. I guess we don't get imagery sizes for, <laughs> for a while, <laughs> for a few days or something, yeah. yeah. Like, that happens, and you just hear the softest, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of times we, 
what we would do in that case is we we have a queue beanstalk our, our queuing system would have like 50 or 100,000 imagery sizes waiting for available workers and be like yeah. just cancel all those yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> they don't need them they'll, they'll be called again if someone needs if they, that if image. they really need them they'll get them again <laughs> oh man um so yeah stuff like that but um but yeah so that was that's kind of our our yeah. setup up and running now and it's it's working great so far i mean knock on wood we've only been running since tuesday and it's thursday now so uh who knows? But yeah, was it this Tuesday? It yeah, was. Right? It oh was, wow! Yeah. Okay, wow. Oh yeah, it's been a long. Yeah, it's, it's wait. Been... It's Thursday. I know. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then other than that, we set up some cool other uh, things in the cloud. Like, uh, we built a whole new monitoring system built on uh, something called Prometheus. Um, not the movie. Not the movie. That went sideways. Yeah. This this thing's better than the movie. Okay. Uh, if you can compare. Metrics, <laughs> metrics aggregation tools to alien movies. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the Prometheus in the movie. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's a tool that basically goes out, scrapes every server, every pod, every cluster we have, uh, gathers metrics from CPU usage to memory to number of hits on a varnish server or whatever mm. um which is another caching thing we don't have to go into every layer in our system <laughs> but <laughs> there's a lot of layers in our system yeah, um, it's like an ogre <laughs> yeah yeah onions yeah got it uh but no and then so it goes out aggregates all those um and then ships them over to something a cool graphing tool called grafana that we have basically a billion dashboards now that tell us like you can look at any site running in our system currently only giant bomb giant bomb was the first by the way we all our game sites are going but we did Giant Bomb first. Um, and then you can basically choose any one of our sites. If you want to know what the CPU usage is on one of our 50 pods, or if you want to know exactly how many network requests are coming into a specific node, like it knows everything. Um, and we build alerts off all that. So if we ever notice, uh, you know, too many pods have died, you know, send us an alert. If we notice... Network requests are getting out of hand, like send us an alert, things like that. So, Oh, good. More uh, reasons for somebody to be woken up at three in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. We all we all have an on-call rotation. and What? Mm, you guys uh, yeah, have yeah, an on-call. Yeah. <laughs> I sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should, we should I think they the all on- go to you first, though, don't they? Well, no, they go they go to the on-call person. Okay. And then, okay. And then if that's not acknowledged in 10 minutes, it goes to me. And if I don't acknowledge in 10 minutes, it goes to everybody. Okay. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's... Uh, what else do we have up there? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, and then some other prep work we did for um, launching it is... We did this cool thing. Uh, one of the... Our DevOps guys came up with this. Um, or read about, I don't know where he came up with it, but, um, we basically took, uh, we have, um, something called a net scaler that was sitting in front of all of our sites in our data center. Hmm. So we took, and it, it runs a lot. So for every get request that was coming into that net scaler, it would log that to a file. So we then took that file, shipped it to Google's stack driver, which is just a log aggregation thing. Yeah. And then we built this, or he built this cool tool that, Every log that came into Stackdriver would trigger a Google Cloud function, which is just a little bit of code that would then run a curl request against our cloud system. So essentially in the months, or yeah, about a month. It was for it was, a it was long time. It was like two months, yeah. yeah. We, we had everything. And this is part of our tweaking is for like two months or more, we had the Giant Bomb fully running 
in Google Cloud with data being replicated to it constantly. Oh, so it was doing a double up of like how we had yeah. for the old setup and then exactly so in, we in parallel. Yeah, so yeah. we had both of them at the same time. We had the old data center up and everything up in GCP with all the data being replicated. And then every request that came into our regular site got immediately replayed through like a local network because uh, our, our site wasn't available on the internet, the, the cloud site. Yeah. And it replayed that traffic onto the cloud version. So essentially... Like every Git request? Or every Git request. Yeah, so okay. we weren't writing to it because... So post, post requests are mostly writes. So since the database was being replicated one way, it would have been really weird if we tried to make those right. writes twice. Yeah. So gets it's good enough. And and we couldn't copy the um, the, the payload of a post request. Because that didn't get logged. Because that, that would have been a lot of data to log oh, every, right. the payload right. of every post request. Yeah. Um, so we just did get requests. So basically we were running. I mean, that's still a lot. Like yeah. every single user on, on our site for months. Yeah, every, being every replayed. Request. Yeah, it means everything you click on, every yeah. page you visit, all of that stuff was being replayed. And another cool thing that was built into that is it was just a number that was the multiplier. So you could you could basically turn the multiplier up to two. So every one request we got to the main site, we would <laughs> send two shit. requests. Cool. To, nice. So basically we were like, okay, we can DDoS our cloud site by just saying for every one request we get to Giant Bomb, send five to to cloud giant bomb. Did you do it? And we did, yeah. That's that was how we like that's <laughs> nice. how we, okay. we we tried scaling up and scaling down. We basically took our like existing thing and was like, how many requests can we throw at this before it just collapses and we kind of did that over time so basically that that meant that when we flipped it over this week we were feeling really good like we've yeah. been running this for two months like the only variable being now everybody's writing to the database also which is a pretty significant load yeah. so you know that, that especially on giant bomb where everybody's logged in and you know every time you're watching a video it's like sending status back to the server as a post request mm -hmm. yeah to yeah. like store your save position all the comments, all the, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the funny thing is I think if somebody thinks of rights, they're thinking of like somebody leaves a comment or like on our site, somebody mm. makes a video, but yeah. it's even like you watch a video yeah. that's saving your space and like your continue watching things. So you're still like contributing every, something every few seconds or something like that or whatever it is. I don't know how often, but <laughs> and then yeah. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever noticed the site on giant or this feature on giant bomb, but if you go down to the comments and you see a little online indicator for oh, users, yeah. We have to paint like every user as they're on the site. We're saying, I'm still here. I'm still here. Like, I'm still online. Like that small little feature sends like thousands and thousands of requests to our. Yeah, and this is also still all like the wiki edits and all that wiki stuff edits as well. And, yeah, yeah. All this. So, so there, was a, there was a big factor that we hadn't accounted for, right? All the rights. But we felt confident that we can handle X times the traffic we normally get. So that was a cool little thing that helped us sort of not just like blindly cut over and say, all right, I hope it holds up. Um, but yeah, and then we did like a round of, you know, there's a site called loader IO where you can just DDoS your own site. Mm. Um, we did that. <laughs> we did a shit ton of manual testing. We had every engineer in the build or on the games group just hammering the cloud site. Yeah. And y'all had like, everybody had a laundry list of stuff that yeah. they had to go yeah. and do. So, yeah. <laughs> and of course, every time we do that, everybody's like, oh, I found this bug, this bug in the cloud <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah. Did you try it on production? Because I'm pretty sure that bug exists on the main <laughs> yeah. site too. Uh, so of course, but that. it's also a good chance for everybody to kind of get reacquainted with the small things like that too. Yeah, yeah. And and when you have you know a dozen engineers poking your site, like you're gonna find broken shit. Yeah, yeah. Every time. So. Yeah, no matter the site, whatever site. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna find broken stuff. So. 
Man, but yeah. okay, so aside from all that, you did all the prep and everything, but we finally went live mm-hmm. this week. We did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that started a smidge early, I think. Uh, I was awake at 4 a.m., um, we, so yeah, we did it on a Tuesday, which wasn't ideal because the bombcast was on a Tuesday, but the bombcast starts at 11 a.m. And we're like, we're starting at 5.30. So if we're not done by I kind of give you like a little, like a time pressure as well, which yeah, seems yeah. sometimms necessary in that where it's like, okay, we have to get this done before 11, yeah. I mean, which is like a t- <laughs> lot of time before, yeah. after 4 a.m. But still it's like, so, yeah, so yeah. yeah, we, we were feeling decently confident and you know, we had to do a lot of prep work on Monday for this. Um, so we didn't want to have to like. Like telling telling the entire team to come in on a Sunday kind of sucks. We're like, all right, we'll prep on a Monday. It's not the end of the world. The bombcast can stream on YouTube if we've really fucked up, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but we had contingency plans out the ass. Like we had a bunch bunch of stuff. So um, well, that and like it wasn't the entire team that had to be there that early. Oh, yeah, it yeah. was like essential people for like the project. Yeah, the back end yeah. folks were there, and and yeah. the people who worked on this project. So. Yeah, so we were there. We started at five thirty. Also, some of our a lot of our people on the East Coast who worked on this, so that was a little easier for them. <laughs> oh yeah, Steve wakes up and he's like, "It's yeah. a normal day for him." Yeah, so exactly, yeah. that's so, fine. So, um, so yeah, we we basically set up. You know, we I got into the office, rode the San Francisco transport system at five thirty in the morning or five in the morning, which was actually kind of nice. Like there was nobody around. It was great. Really, um, mm. the streets smelled more like trash. Because the trash people hadn't come, so there's just oh, trash everywhere. So that was an interesting yeah. thing. It was like, you know, San Francisco smells fine, except for like five in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it's the worst. Um, uh, so yeah, so we got in here early, and basically our process was just this. We put the site in read-only mode, um, which essentially just means we log everybody out. Like, So if you went to the site on Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. you would have seen... Uh, the text read-only mode. If you tried to, if you went tried to go to login page and say, sorry, the site's under maintenance... So we were trying to not sh- like shut us down completely. Um, but we were still let people browse, people watch videos, stuff like that. Yeah, and like the whole thing is not only for users who are looking to like watch a video, write a comment, whatever, but it's also on our side. Like if somebody tried to publish something, yeah, yeah. we yeah, also exactly. want to make sure that that wasn't going to happen because that could go sideways. Because because the main problem with this move, like like I said, we had each site up and running, so we could just you know ah just flop it over, no problem. But the problem is data, right? There's there's so much data behind Giant Bomb, and we are constantly replicating the SQL data. But if you're writing in one place and then another place, like no matter how well you plan that, something can go wrong. You can have conflicts. Database replication conflicts are such a huge pain in the ass <laughs> yeah. that I was just like, no, we're site is read only. Uh, and then we had the the complication of Redis, which Redis, what SQL allows you to do is you can set up another database as a read only. Uh, slave so it can basically just have the latest data always which is fine but then the problem with redis doesn't do that so we basically had to the thing that took the longest in the morning was we had to take all of our redis data gigs and gigs of in-memory data dump it physically copy it to google upload it and then do the cutover so holy cow so site went into read only we migrated that data basically just Oh. My, my Google phone heard me say something about Google, so <laughs> nice. I just nice. responded. Stop wow. listening to me. Hey, it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm finally happy to be the one <laughs> Apple person in the room. Um, so yeah, we migrated that data, um, just verified it, made sure the site was up and, and working, um, and then we had uh, the site runs behind um, a CDN, Fastly. Um, 
So essentially when you go to our site, you first hit fastly and then it just fetches the content for you and then, and then gives it back. Right. So because we were behind fastly, we could basically just tell fastly, like stop looking here for our site and start looking here. And that change takes like 10 seconds. And then that was it. So basically at one point we're like, all right, the data's all there, switch over. And that's when the problem started. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, still like the fact that we were able to do that without having to shut the site down for yeah. hours or like you see some sites, okay, we're under maintenance for six hours or five hours or, or whatever. Like that, yeah. we were to keep it up for that long. I mean, for, yeah, I for think that was 10 seconds or whatever yeah. it was. That seems that's very yeah. cool. I think that was really cool. Um, the, the only thing we fucked up on is we missed uh, Fastly also serves our um, assets, our CSS and our JavaScript and our images and stuff. Uh, image origin didn't change, so that was fine. But the uh, the JavaScript and CSS now come from, uh, instead of coming from our data center, they now come from the cloud. And um, we made the mistake of uh, switching over without changing. We changed one place that we thought was the only place, but there were actually two places in our Fastly config, whatever. Mm that pointed to a different uh origin they call it the origin of all your css files so that took us a few minutes uh, it took us like a half an hour to find we we're like why the fuck isn't it serving why the fuck isn't it serving so if you went to the site in that time you've got the site it just had no styling so it was just a giant a giant bomb logo and then black and white text and a bunch of random shit debatably so. better design <laughs> so you could technically still use the site but it was yeah that's also a testament of like how good your like markup and everything is like <laughs> right. with your hierarchy because if somebody could still like parse through it you done good yeah it's it's we we done all right it's we all done right. all right you can read it yeah it's fine but yeah um so that took us a little while to figure out we did that and then we thought we were golden we were like okay we we swapped it all over that's great and then um so that was really our only hiccup where we go live. And then uh, we were doing other random stuff, doing um, doing cleanup stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then we ran into our second problem, which was more in like the, it, this was a little closer to UPF. Um, so actually some people who went to UP, or not UPF, sorry, um, the Bombcast. Mm -hmm. So people who went to the Bombcast were actually still seeing this issue because of a couple of reasons. Um, one, we didn't realize Fastly cached 404s. Uh, mm -hmm. so it, our CSS file was 404ing our main CSS file. So we cleared cache on, so, so we deployed again. Some of us were, a lot of us were seeing the CSS. All right, we're good to go. But some people still weren't. And we were like, okay, it must be our browser cache. Like yeah. Chrome is still caching this for some reason. You know, we were like, I was like, I closed my Chrome browser completely and opened a new one and then it worked fine. So I was like, okay, it must've been Chrome cache, like caching that shit. So we had a false sense of security that we had fixed everything. And then finally we started getting word in from other people like, hey, the CSS is missing. Like, all right, this isn't a Chrome cache issue. Yeah. So it turned out uh, Fastly had cached the 404 and it had cached the 404 for a bunch of different CSS files. Like chat no. has its own CSS file. Yeah. The site has its own CSS file. Our CMS has its own CSS. So anyway, we all those were cached. So we did a full cache purge of, of Fastly, which meant that you know our origin got kind of swamped there were yeah. there were some problems with that but we did a full cache purge and we're like okay finally we've solved all this everybody was happy the chat page was working again i have a question yeah um why was it some people receiving that on fastly if 
I mean, is it because like we, different regions or something? Like cache, this region for uh, yeah, they cache at origin. So um, so okay. or not at origin. Sorry, they cache at the edge node. So um, I see. Okay, a, yeah, yeah, so yeah. basically, if if you don't know how CDN works, um, anybody who's listening, if you don't know how CDN, CDN works, it's basically they're caching our files and our site as close to your house or where you are as possible, right? Like uh. Fastly has a server in Jacksonville, Florida, or somewhere around there probably, I don't know. Um, and it's it's caching that CSS file there based on the person closest to there who last hit it. Okay. Um, and then it's caching it here in San Francisco differently, and it's caching here. So that's why some people were getting it somewhere. Yeah, so uh, when it... Re- when it- requested our CSS file in 404 and it was like yeah. um it saved that 404 cache that 404 yeah. so for, if, for that edge node right yeah so okay. uh so when my mom who probably reads giant bomb constantly in Jacksonville Florida <laughs> uh she doesn't but <laughs> fan of the show uh, fan of fan of the site <laughs> uh when she went there and she got a 404 the first time now everybody else coming from that region Oh, gets that 404. Well, that's a bummer. But we in San Francisco, the first time we went to it, we did not get a 404 for whatever reason. Yeah. So we get that populated cache. So anyway, yeah. long, long story short, we did a cache per... We basically told Fastly, just forget about that file completely. Like, don't cache it. Yeah. Um, and that fixed it. Until um, this was our this was our last problem that we encountered, um, which was a really interesting one, uh, and has caused us to rethink a lot of stuff. So... Same same issue of CSS disappearing, but the old way we did builds with our VMs is we would literally copy the code through a uh, just through a Jenkins like job. We would press a button and it would copy the code onto every single VM into a new folder that had not existed before with a timestamp basically, and the old code would still be there and the old site was still being served from that other folder, right? You know, an app is just a bunch of PHP code in a folder, right? <laughs> that serves in. So, mm. um, so what we would do is we would copy all the new code code onto every machine. Once that was all done, we would basically tell all machines at once to change a sim link from pointing the old folder to the new folder, and all sites would be updated simultaneously. Ah, yeah. um, which was cool, and that was a good setup. But that's different on the cloud, and that worked great. Like if we, you know, we rename our the the root of this problem is we rename our CSS file on every build. Um, well, not on every, if, if it changed. So if the, if the CSS mm-hmm. file changed, if any of the CSS code changed, we just do like a hash of all the files. Um, we give that CSS file a new name. So nobody's browser cache keeps that file, right? If your Google Chrome kept that file and then we pushed code and then you refresh the site, you might be missing our new CSS because Chrome is still caching that for 10 minutes or a day or whatever it is. So we rename it every time. So every time we change it, we rename it. So next time you visit the site, Chrome browser says, well, that's a whole new file, so I have to download it, right? Um, so that's kind of the core of our problem. And with the the old build system, all sites got that at one, or all web servers got that at once, which means all users got that new file simultaneously, right? With Kubernetes, one of the cool things is, which actually turned out to be a, a detriment here, we don't take all the pods down and bring them all back up, right? That would lead to potential outage, right? Yeah. So, and there's no like switching code folders. We now build the containers and deploy whole new containers every time. So now the way we release code is we get new containers out there. We tell Kubernetes, this is the new container I want you to run. Replace all the containers, the old ones with this new one. 
um, which allows us to do cool things like rollbacks are instantaneous almost. They just, you know, we can roll back to any version of the site that ever existed because it's all in a repository of old containers and mm. we can run any version ever, right? Um, but so the way that works, we say, hey, here's the new container. I want you to deploy that. And it will then go to, it'll basically say, okay, take 20, 25% of the containers down and, and keep the old ones running, all, all 75% of them, and bring the new container up uh, in their place. And it does then, this until then do the next twenty five percent. Do the next twenty five percent. And I'm assuming this probably does this in like seconds, uh, depending it, on the it's, thing. Yeah, each each down and up takes ten to fifteen seconds, I think. So the whole process can take upwards of like thir- a minute. Um, it basically takes a minute to, for us to like fully deploy all our code. But it's still not like you're not waiting for this stuff to happen over like half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this problem popped up again. Even though we'd fixed all our CDN stuff, we told our CDN to stop. Well, we haven't yet told our CDN to stop caching 404s, which we have done now. Um, or only cache them for one second, but we hadn't done that at this point. So <laughs> this is going to be interesting to describe. So take 25% down, bring them up with a new file, a new CSS file, okay? I, user, a user is coming in right as you're doing that. A user goes to one of those new containers, and that container serves them a file that says the CSS file has the old CSS file had name a.css. Mm. Your new containers have file b.css. Mm-hmm. So you get this container that says, give me b.css. Okay, that goes to your browser. Your browser says, okay, fetch b.css. Mm-hmm. Cause that's just how, you know, CSS yep. files are just included. So, so now it says, okay, I'm gonna go get b.css from the CDN. Go to Fastly and say, Fastly, I need b.css. Fastly then says, okay, I'm going back to origin which is our web servers again. Mm-hmm. Now you're flipping a coin. Which which container oh. do you get, right? You're looking for b.css. Fastly says you have a 25% chance now of getting the correct CSS file. Because if you get the new container, it has b.css. And mm-hmm. Fastly's like, great, here's b.css. I found it. If you get the 75% of the other containers that haven't been swapped out yet, all they have is a.css. So now... Fastly says, hey, this doesn't, I don't know what you're talking about. This file doesn't exist. Return that to the user. Now the user says, now the user has no CSS. Fastly says, hey, that doesn't exist on the server. Um, I'm going to cache that 404. Sorry, it doesn't exist on the server. I'm not going to look again. That's like a one-two punch. That sucks. So I'm not going to look again for 10 minutes until my cache expires, right? Yeah. So now you have that problem you had earlier where my mom, who's, who's really on top of things, goes to the site right as it goes live, mm-hmm. gets a 404 cached. Now, everybody in the Jacksonville, Florida region get no CSS because wow. Fastly I mean, has cached that. I mean, that's our hub. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's our most important market. Yeah. Um, but we in San Francisco who, uh, uh, you know, maybe we got lucky. You know, we, we live in a great, you know, city. We're pretty lucky. So maybe we yeah. got that 25% chance of getting the right CSS file. So now you've got everybody in your fucking Slack channel like, hey, it works for me. It doesn't work on my phone. What the fuck? And then you're just going back and forth. Um, yeah. So like, that kind of makes sense because there were some folks over in New York that were saying like, hey, why, why yeah, is nothing why is showing up? Like, yeah. Like the New York yeah. office was, ba- was basically yeah. all saying like, hey, we don't have CSS. And we're like, in San Francisco, we got CSS. It works over yeah. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's um, like the, the age old, like it, it yeah. looks fine on my machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. therefore it's good. But this time it was legit. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, long story short, we're solving that by we no longer... Uh, this is probably better practice anyway. We were using our containers and our website as our origin for our CSS files. Yeah. We were telling Fastly, go to our containers to get the CSS mm-hmm. file. 
Instead, now we're just saying during our build process, put that CSS file in a Google bucket the same way we do with our images mm. and just put a new one in there every time, right, with a new name. So the old one still exists. We're not overwriting it. We're just putting a new one in there. Um, and we're just putting a new one every time. So if no matter what file you're requesting from any history, Fastly will be able to find it and it'll be in that mm -hmm. bucket. And you so that's that's what we've built out now. And that's a that's a much better way to do assets anyway. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting problem to solve in the moment as you're like trying to figure out like, wait, what, what do you mean the site's not working? It's working fine for me. Like it. So anyway, because it's a ra it's random chance. And yeah, that also feels a little bit redundant, too, because like if you did a whole full like deployment and nothing changed in CSS and you're just making a new file. Yeah, it just seems kind of like I don't know, like if that was a physical object that would seem so messy. But also, like if we could dump this stuff or only keep like so many yeah. versions. So we'll put a it. we'll yeah. put a rule on it that says once it's a year old, delete it, and okay. that'll never get more than twenty gigs or twenty megs anyway, because CSS files are pretty small. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Mm, you say that. Oh well, yeah, ours um, is pretty big. <laughs> okay, so an old startup, I was in charge of like HTML and CSS, mm -hmm. and I did SAS wrong, real wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when it compiled, I did includes in the wrong area. So the like master thing that you pump, like the parent that yeah. you pump out, it was a meg. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. And this was on like a marketing site. Yeah. So it, yeah, you can do it real bad. Yeah. But we do it well here. So that's yeah. what matters. Uh, I don't I actually haven't looked at the size of our CSS in a while. Uh, G zipped 78 kilobytes. That's still pretty big. That's, but... that's hey. actually really good <laughs> for multiple sites. That's good. Yeah. And it carries all CSS for like, you know, everything. So, yeah. 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 That's something. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that was the cloud transition. So, you know, we, we still have to do the other sites. We're kind of letting it simmer for a while. Uh, the reason we did giant bomb first is it has the fewest connections to other sites. You yeah. know, comic vine is comic vine.gamespot.com. Uh, game is actually a whole different setup. So we would have, we still have to build some stuff for that. Um, so, so there's less connections. So there were less moving pieces. So that's why we did giant bomb first, mm -hmm. but um, but yeah, so it was a fun, it was definitely a huge learning experience. Like this was the first major site I've migrated to a whole new thing like this. So it was yeah, like you said, it's something that you've like the team has been working on for over a year. Yeah, and that's oh, not yeah. like an exaggeration. Like I mean, yeah. we've talked we talked about I mean possibly going live before E3, and yeah. like there were multiple times like in the past year we're like we're gonna go live this day, and then it's like well no we got more stuff to do. We're gonna go live this day and yeah. more stuff to do. So yeah. On the bright side, too, that gave some more time for, like, testing. Yeah, yeah. testing. And, like, oh, yeah. Our, yeah. our monitoring shit is better than I've ever seen it at any place I've worked. Or I've, I've seen it anywhere. Like, we monitor fucking everything and alert on everything and see, as you know. So debugging issues now is, is a lot better than it used to be. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of wins there. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's super fun to just, I don't know, like, be on the other side of that and, like, realize you moved that, all that shit to a whole new place. It was cool. And what's hilarious is that the only thing I noticed is that like you showed up one day and you got to the office before I did. Oh yeah, I was I was fucking five hours deep at that point. No, not Ugh. four, three hours deep. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, cool. Well, but that, yeah, that was it. And yeah. we're in the cloud and mm -hmm. real it. cloudy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. now I need some sleep. Yeah, but before that though, we have some questions. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these were actually targeted specifically for you, Will. Oh, great. Um, oh, let's see here. There was an off-topic question from Ender's Warming. Uh, how's the function of the upcoming section on the front page? It happens 
quite a lot where a show appears, disappears, and reappears. Uh, and it's, it's, it's essentially that, where mm. they see like yeah. things, I'll be there for a little bit, it'll go away for a while, and then, <laughs> and then come yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, A lot of that has to do with uh, the content lifecycle of something in our CMS. Uh, so, <laughs> for example, not everything goes to the upcoming, right? We don't put, you know, if someone's posting a trailer to, a, you know, we don't do many trailers, but during E3 we do, like, if we want a trailer to come out, like, we're not going to put that in the upcoming module. Yeah. Or if, like, sometimes, you know, quick looks don't go up there. You know, there's just different things. So it's a checkbox in our CMS. Do you want it to display in the upcoming module? So sometimes when something disappears, it's uh, someone accidentally checked that checkbox or doesn't act, didn't actually want to check it or uh, deleted that CMS object because they wanted to recreate it with, I don't know, something different I, for whatever reason. So... That's usually like, it's funny because you never see like the different revisions content goes through in any other way than the upcoming module. Mm -hmm. But the upcoming module is essentially like, this shit is not ready to go, but it's displaying kind of. Yeah. So it'll get deleted and recreated and just depending on how they want to set it up. Like sometimes, you know, Vinny will go in there and we have different live ways to do live streams. So he'll go in there, he'll create a live stream like, actually, I don't want to run it that way. Mm -hmm. Delete it, recreate it. And then that will disappear and reappear. Um, there's different rules about how things will appear. Like an episode will show up only if it has content associated with it, I think. So sometimes yeah. they'll deassociate content, you know, recreate it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's usually when stuff... So it is a little janky, but that's the nature of stuff that's not ready for consumption yet. Like it'll, it sometimes gets deleted, sometimes gets re-added. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes there are bugs, you know, that happens too. Um, yeah. but uh, I can't remember like if upcoming is actually like pre-checked mm -hmm. by default or you have to check. It, it is not. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well that's good. Cause like if you created something and it was going to be an upcoming super one way, secret. Yeah. 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 We, we yeah. didn't want that to be checked by default. So yeah, it, it can look janky at times or stuff can appear and reappear. And that's yeah. either the editors like just doing their normal editing stuff. Um, or just like the way content is added and created. Sometimes it can show up or, or disappear. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. And uh, same person asked, uh, it's not related, but is it possible to see a few screenshots of how the UI looks for uh, crew when they upload stuff? Um, typically we don't post that sort of stuff just because it is an internal tool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very boring, but yeah, still. it's not, it's not like interesting. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I think there's, I don't know. You, you get paranoid about like, oh, what if, you know, there's some like thing about the way our publishing process works that we don't want people to know. I don't know. Like, yeah, eh, whatever. That's um, also like not our call. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, call, that's yeah. definitely. I mean, yeah. our CMS UI has been accidentally streamed before. Like, <laughs> it's definitely not a secret, but it's also kind of ugly because <laughs> it's a CMS. It's an internal tool. It's all just default. It's a bunch yeah, it's of all like stuff. engineering, you know, and just yeah. We don't have design yeah, designers. So do not designers do our front end. Designers do not do our CMS. <laughs> oh shit! If I can take a one over on that thing, oh man, oh, the colors are so bright. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, flashing the, the default like bootstrap colors for like the green buttons yeah, and yeah. The yeah. red buttons. It's really like good. status updates. Like there was an error, and it's just red with black yeah. text. <laughs> oh, and yeah, like that's the other thing is like if something is bad in the CMS, like if there's an error or if like like something's wrong. Like the whole fucking page is red. Like it's gonna <laughs> yeah. let you know that something broke. That's and it's crazy. like everybody except for like two people in the office are like, "Oh my god, this is so terrible." Then Jeff and Vinny are like, "I don't understand." <laughs> like it's it doesn't this is look the way bad. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they want ugly websites. I think. Yeah. <sighs> um, 
couple more. So somebody else, uh, Benalori, I guess that's how you say it. Uh, you guys are talking about SQL queries and ORM, uh, but you guys didn't say at some point that you have Elasticsearch uh, for the searches, or did I dream that? Uh, no, you did not dream that. Or, I mean, maybe you did and we didn't talk about it. But yeah, we do have Elasticsearch yeah. uh, for our searches. So yeah, for our SQL, for basically all the content on the site, comments and articles and videos and shit, um, that's all in SQL. Um, you know, SQL's relational data store, it is best for stuff like that. I get that's what it's built for. Yeah. Um, that's what it's good at. Um, that's it. It's not good at searching. Like, uh, no. Well, that being said, the adva- the new advanced search is built on SQL, but that's a very specific search case where you yeah. have, you know, crazy people who want to know like a very specific, like exactly less than one hour long and it has to contain this text and it needs this person. That's a relational they database just want, job. They want some fucking criteria. Yeah, that's exactly. what they want. <laughs> um, so that's powered by that. But our general site search is powered by Elasticsearch. Because um, Elasticsearch, it it just does a, it does general querying of stuff better um, mm-hmm. and ranking. Yeah, like, I think ranking, ranking is, is the, the big thing. The big thing. Like, hey, yeah. when you search for like Mario, what does it show? Does it show yeah. a game? And that's like, you can, we can explicitly say like, hey, we want games to rank above yeah. whatever or, you know, videos to rank above podcasts or something. So. Yeah, and Elasticsearch is really good about allowing you to pull levers to make stuff. Because like when you search Mario, like there's a character in our system called Mario who's just this random fucking guy named Mario. It's just a picture of a dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is. He's from some random game. But technically, that's a better match than Super Mario Brothers because it's an exact text. It's yeah. But when you search Mario, you don't want... Well, so you get like users too where if you like search yeah. for like something, you could actually come up with like a username yeah, exactly. on the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I, I should probably search for Mario to see, make sure he doesn't There's a company there. with the no games link. Oh, there you go. Probably. So yeah, like that's a good example. <laughs> But he at least, and then there's that weird Mario guy below it, but <laughs> at least it puts the franchise up. Yeah, and the character yeah. as well. So, so it, yeah. it, it can always be tweaked. Um, it's not perfect. But we have to search from articles and characters and all this other shit. So, you know, it's, it's just better at letting us tweak those numbers. And we have a whole tool that uh, we've built to, to help. Uh, we basically have a set of searches. Like I, when I search for GTA... Number four, I want GTA Grand Theft Auto IV, you yeah. know, whatever to show mm-hmm. up. You know, we have we have a tool that basically show, tells us we for these key searches are things still the same. So as we tweak numbers, um, will it'll automatically do those searches and tell you if they've gone up or down in the algorithm. So it's like basically like we can tweak our algorithm whenever uh, based on these little elastic search pieces that that surface things higher or lower based on those. Well, Hustle could have sworn that helped out with situations like if somebody were to search something like Halo, uh, we wanted them to get two options, basically. One being the franchise and then two being the latest Halo game rather than the first one because people are more or less looking for like more recent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's likely, and it's uh, tweaked because we use the same search system for Giant Bomb and GameSpot. So if you make the search in both places, you'll get different results mm-hmm. because people on Giant Bomb, if you, because of the wiki, if you search Halo, you're there's a good chance you're actually looking for the older game or you're looking for the yeah. franchise or you're looking for the object, a Halo that is in other games. So there's, so we surface though, we try to like, in Giant Bomb, we basically give you, here's the different, objects that you could mean and then we give you a little there's a little drop down if you want to like uh filter those more Mm -hmm. but for giant bomb it's more about you know give me the wide range of different things i could be talking about whereas GameSpot, 
Yeah, when you search Halo on GameSpot, Halo Infinite yeah. is the top. Halo Infinite is top one. Like, hey, yeah, right. or, so relevancy, or you know, like recency yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, and that like that's the point of the site is that people want to see like the latest news about whatever's going right. on. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like, that's, that's GameSpot's that's gig. Yeah. Yeah. GameSpot's yeah. gig is recency, like what what's out latest. Giant Bomb's gig is video game history and video game associations and content about video games. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. so that's why you can search two different terms on both sites, and even though they have a lot of the same data you'll get completely different results because we have those different levers to pull. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and Elasticsearch makes it easy to change those levers outside of like completely trying to figure out like crazy SQL queries or something if we're going to write that in SQL. I can't even imagine how I would do that. I don't even. (laughs) I'm just learning It'd be very slow, I think, as well, like trying to like group all of those tables and Mm -hmm. sort all that stuff or filter by that. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just learning today that everything on the site is like a series of pulleys and levers. Oh, yeah. That's, we got to... I mean that's that's programming that's life. Yeah, yeah. You pull levers and shit happens. That's that's life. And then you die. <laughs> yeah, you die. Cause yeah. An, <laughs> cause and effect. Live, live yeah. die, pull, pull levers. levers. Yeah. Uh, last question, actually from the same person, uh, related to the CI/CD and branching. Do you guys have it anything in the same core code base for all the sites, or is it all separated into libraries? Yeah. So um, a little bit of both. So we have. Um, uh, a core CMS, a uh, bit of code, um, we call Phoenix. Um, and it is, <gasps> I finally get, cause it's based in Phoenix. Actually, no, that's not why oh, Phoenix, pre- Phoenix predates Phoenix, Arizona, the data center. Uh, I think thought it was, I, was more, on, I thought I was on to something. I th- actually, to be honest, I think where it comes from is, uh, when giant bomb was purchased by CBSI, uh, they did. They purchased the IP and the content. They did not purchase the CMS. Ah, so mm-hmm. they had to rewrite Giant Bomb very quickly. Oh, and this CMS was Giant Bomb rising from the ashes. It was Phoenix. Oh, like it was, I don't okay. know. It's it fucking Dave, sure. Dave Snyder. Like what do you do? Thanks, Dave. <laughs> yeah. um, so we call this Common Core Phoenix. Um, it is imported into the sites, um, sort of like a library. Uh, uh, so it's reported in a GameSpot, Comic Vine, and Giant Bomb, um, and it is identical on all sites. So it has to serve all three sites simultaneously. When we build one site, we build all the other sites, and it shares this common core. Um, and basically, whenever we develop a new feature, we first say, is this feature just for Giant Bomb or just for GameSpot, or could it ever be used anywhere else? And if the answer is it can never be used anywhere, anywhere else, we write it in Phoenix, we make it completely generic, and it can be written anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of our work is done in Phoenix. Yeah. Like Giant Bomb, you know, Chris built all this stuff. We talked about it in, I think, our first or second I think episode, our second episode Second or episode, yeah. Uh, our, the, the, show, the concept of shows and episodes, we built that in Phoenix. Uh, GameSpot has a concept of shows, but it doesn't have episodes of shows and all this other crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's built into Phoenix if they ever decide on, to do that. It's just change some configs in CMS or change a few little things and it starts working. So we build everything on that common core library uh, and then each site has its own repository. Um, So we basically, for three sites, we have four repositories. We have Phoenix, uh, GameSpot, Comic-Con, Giant Bomb. Um, And each site can override any class, any template or any JavaScript file or anything in any of those sites. So GameSpot, you know, takes the same core that Giant Bomb has, but then the videos door is different. So you override the videos door list list controller action, right? You override that thing and then you override the template 
uh, mm -hmm. and you put new stuff in there. So uh, it's based on a common core. Each site has overrides at every level. Um, and then you can kind of customize this. And that's why Giant Bomb looks completely different from GameSpot, but has 90% of the same code. It's just because with that that system of like overriding layers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a, a really big thing is that we wanted to make sure that it didn't feel like the same site mm -hmm. because they're not. Yeah. I mean, like Comic Vine is fundamentally different from GameSpot or yeah. from Giant Bomb, like especially from Giant Bomb because they're both wikis, at least mm -hmm. as a portion. But we want to make sure that like the content is like appropriate for whatever that thing is. If it has more editorial stuff or like videos, then mm -hmm. we can cater to that. But we're going to like use the basic parts yeah. for all that. But the same, like, yeah, like style-wise, Giant Bomb is going to stay Giant Bomb. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, uh, we have the carousels that we have on like the homepage and the episode pages. And yeah. we use the same same damn thing for GameSpot. For GameSpot, yeah, because we developed it in Phoenix. And that's the, you know, the benefit of doing that. Like, hey, when we have to develop a new feature like carousels or like a new video thing, if we develop it in Phoenix and then we can kind of port it to our other sites yeah. and make it look completely different or even behave differently or not. at that level or not. Yeah. But it just allows us a lot of flexibility in developing something once, but then porting it over mm -hmm. more easily than having to do it three or four or five times. Yeah. yeah. Cause I could see folks getting upset like, Oh my God, it's using the same stuff as GameSpot. Like it's supposed to be its own thing. It is. Yeah. But like if we had to fundamentally rethink a carousel from one side to another, we done goofed. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just like, it's a functional thing. Honestly, if it looks the same, depending on whether or not it's on a dark layout or a light layout, basically the same stuff that's good yeah that way we only have to think about it once yeah but like all the data structures and all the entities and mm -hmm. all that stuff is all all the same for like carousels yeah. or all that stuff and the the giant bomb GameSpot, and comic vine databases well giant bomb and comic vine are a little different because their wikis are completely different like different objects in the database mm -hmm. but yeah. aside from the wiki items which are the exact same structure they're just named different things it's named issues instead of games mm -hmm. um uh, it's the exact same database structure across all three sites. Yeah. Same columns, same everything. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, so. it's good. Yeah, so answer is both. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, Why we, not both? And and then even on top of that, we have the system, we use some uh, PHP Symphony, which has a concept of bundles. So we build everything into bundles that can be imported elsewhere and, and all kinds of stuff. So we build stuff modular even within that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. Yeah, but not to get too into <laughs> Symphony architecture or anything. I feel bad too because um, uh, we're talking about t different style cases for carousels mm -hmm. where it was going to be that or the option of making it a grid. And now that's just kind of something that's baked into it. And we're like, oh my God, that's not really a, a carousel anymore. And I was like, why don't we call it a bundle? Yeah. And then everybody's like, so we're going to call it a bundle bundle? Like, bundle bundle? Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> also, renaming it, that's the one that we call, we called it carousels from the start. So every bit of code just is carousel service, carousel.php, carousel list dot whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> would be a really huge pain in the ass to rename that. So they're yeah. carousels, even though they're not car all carousels. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Honestly, in most cases they are, they can turn into grids. Yeah. Whatever. It works. Just a grouping of things. Yeah. yeah. It's stacked carousels. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all the questions we got this time cool. around. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you have any more questions based off of this or anything, or if you just want our opinion on something, why not? Uh, leave a comment. Yeah, put um, a comment in this episode. This or episode. tweet at Will on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can tweet at me too. Yeah. Uh, Will underscore Carl. <laughs> uh, uh, cool. Well, I think that does it this time around. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah, hopefully well, we don't stick in the cloud for too long. Our heads in the clouds. You're well, in that no, joke. I mean, I hope yeah. we're not migrating again to somewhere else. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's no more 4 a.m. mornings. No. Uh, yeah, but thanks y'all for listening to mm-hmm. me rant about cloud people. <laughs> <laughs> Name of the episode right there. Cloud people. All right. All right. Bye.